everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you are listening to episode 63, and I'm talking with Jessica Honiger. Jessica is the founder and CEO of Noonday Collection. Noonday is a socially responsible business that uses fashion to create meaningful opportunities around the world. They design and sell an inspired collection of jewelry and accessories made by artisans across the globe. Such a cool concept. And in this episode, we talk about the story of how Noonday got started and the story of her adoption with her son, Jack, and all kinds of other fun stuff. Jessica was so fun to talk to. I follow her over on Instagram and watch her stories all the time, and I knew that she'd be such a fun interview. If you want to check out Jessica and all that she's doing, she's always traveling and doing something fun, you can follow her as well. And her Instagram is just Jessica Honiger, H-O-N-E-G-G-E-R. And you can also follow Noonday, the business that she created at Noonday Collection. Before we get started talking with Jessica, I want to thank Now Foods for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Now Foods has been a leader in the natural food health industry since 1968. They have supplements, vitamins, protein powder, sports nutrition, all kinds of good stuff. I buy my protein powder from them, as you guys have probably heard me talk about numerous times. Guys, if you're due for a new multivitamin, anything like that, new protein powder, any kind of supplement, they have it all. And when you purchase from Now Foods, you are directly supporting this podcast since they're a sponsor of the show. You guys can go to now-2-u.com to save 25% off your next order by using the promo code another all caps. It's now foods for supporting the show. Here's the part in the intro where I request that you leave me a rating and review. If you have been listening to this show and you hear me say it every week and you haven't done it yet, head over to iTunes and check it out. Leaving a rating review is such a good way for potential new listeners to find us. So, and one other way I'll mention you can support the show is if you go to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash lindsayhine. I drop bonus episodes every month in there. There's a fresh one this week. I just dropped it on Monday, and it's a conversation with Erica Sarah, who's been on the guest on the show multiple times. And my husband, Glenn, and I are also going to do an episode for the month of May. So stay tuned for that. Patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. Oh, yeah, and one more thing. Indianapolis peeps, before we get started, you should come run the Monumental Mile with me. It's Thursday, June 1st. It is so much fun. We were out of town last year, so we didn't get to run it, but we did run it, but I did run it in 2015, and it is so much fun. It's a one-mile race, so you get your little warm-up in. Sprint one mile as hard as you can, and then you hang out. There's a really fun after party um, downtown at Monument Circle. Glenn and I are both going to try to run it this year. We aren't sure what we're doing with our kids, um, so I'm looking for someone to hang out at the finish line and like corral our kids for just like 15 minutes because the men's wave goes off and five minutes later the women's wave goes off. So really we just need to drop our kids off a Monument Circle, jog up to the start line one mile, and then it'll take you know a total of five minutes for Glenn to get to the finish line. So anyway, our whole family's going to be out there. It's such a fun day, such a fun race. You guys check it out, monumentalmile.com. And um, if you're there and you see me, come say hi. I know I said that was the last thing, but make sure you hang around to the end of this episode because I'm going to tell you guys about something fun I'm doing on May 26th. So stay tuned for that. Hang around. I'll talk about it at the end of this episode. All right, guys. Enjoy my conversation with Jessica. Yes. You know what? I just switched to my faster internet. Oh, sweet. Okay. That's probably what it was. That'll be better. It's um, a real windy day today, so I'm wondering if that, who knows. It's really windy, you said? Yeah, it's really windy here, so I always think like wind affects the internet, but. Well, it's really windy here, too. And Where I'm are in, you? I'm in Indiana. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Where in Indiana? Indianapolis. Okay, cool. My husband's from near the Fort Wayne area. Oh, really? What city? Um, well, it's outside of Bluffton, Indiana. It's called Ossian. Okay. I've heard of Bluffton. I know people from Bluffton and that's so interesting. Are you, where are you from? I'm from Texas. I'm from San Antonio. Okay. You're from Texas. You still, you, you guys live in Austin, right? We do. Yep. Okay. Oh my gosh. So random that your husband's from Indiana. I know. So I, where we go, where I'm going to be at, they have a lake house at Lake Wawasee. So Uh we're going up there, um, in July. People vacation in Indiana. You, I would have never known. <laughs> yes, they do. Well, yeah. So let me tell you. You maybe can guess how I've heard of you. I don't know. I heard you on Jamie's podcast. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, and then I started following you on Instagram, and um, I actually, this is so random. My middle school uh, cheerleading coach is a noonday ambassador. 
Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. So I always see her posts on um, Facebook and whatnot. And so I've known about Noonday for quite a while. I, I guess probably through her. She was probably the first person that I heard about it through. Oh, I love that. I love how you stayed in touch with your middle school cheerleading coach. Well, you know, you're friends with everybody on Facebook. I mean, we're not like texting each other and hanging out or anything, but I know what she's up to on Facebook. (laughs) I love that. Um, Her name's Katie Fleming. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you know her. She lives in Kentucky. Totally. She was actually one of our first ambassadors, like in the first 20. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, so she's been at it a while. She's She's been awesome, and I could totally see her as a middle school cheerleading coach. Yes. Yeah, she's so sweet. Yeah, she's just comes from a really nice family. That's cool. Okay, so can you kind of tell everybody who you are, uh, what Noonday is, and all that kind of good stuff? Yeah, totally. So Jessica Honecker, I've got three kids. One of them turns eight this week, and we are going to have a big skip school day and do a day of Power Rangers, which is like his dream. Oh, I love a skip school day. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a PG-13 movie, which I'm a little bit of a stickler about. And I'm like, I don't know how bad a PG-13 Power Rangers movie can be. But so we're going. (laughs) We're going. I'm assuming it. I don't know. I don't know. Like, Maybe it drops a cuss word or two. Nothing worse that they haven't heard from their mom. So, well, can I just tell you? I so my I have three kids as well, and my oldest is almost five. And when he started watching Power Rangers, I was like, "Is Power Rangers still a thing?" Oh, it's a thing. Like I didn't know. Like you know, I feel like Power Rangers were popular when we were kids. Yep, a lot a lot of stand power with those Power Rangers. Right. Okay. So go on. Okay, and then I have um, another little boy who's eight, and my little girl just turned 11. So we're kind of in that sweet, um, old enough to sit around and play real games at night and take them traveling and actually look forward to it. Nice. So, um, so yeah, and then I, my husband's from Indiana, and we actually met when I was Um, with an organization called Food for the Hungry International. We met during our training before we were about to go move overseas to Latin America. And we met, I don't think I'd ever met anyone from the Midwest or maybe from the Midwest, but certainly no one from like a tiny little town who grew up with a garden. (laughs) So it was fun. And we got married, moved back to Austin did a bunch of different things trying to figure out our lives. And then around 2010, we had decided to adopt. Um, so Jack, my little guy, the Power Rangers guy, mm-hmm. he is from Rwanda. And around the time that we decided to adopt the real estate market crash, we'd been working in real estate and I needed to kind of hustle hard to find additional income to bring him home. And at the time I was connected to some friends living in Uganda and they suggested, Hey, why don't you sell these items, these handmade artisan items made by our friends and try to create a marketplace for them. And so I opened my home one night to a whole bunch of women and people just loved the product. They loved getting behind this young couple in Uganda and they loved the idea of supporting our adoption. And so unbeknownst to me, that was the inception of Noonday Collection, which is the business that I run. And we are a socially responsible fashion business that's creating opportunity for people around the world that live in vulnerable communities, as well as women right here in America who join us by becoming social entrepreneurs. And they now create a marketplace, just like I started in my home. They now create a marketplace across women's homes in America. And what started is Jalia and Daniel, these my friends in Uganda that just used to ship me product, has now grown to 4,000 artisans and 1,700 noonday ambassadors around the country. So It's crazy how a moment of desperation and financial need and scrambling and hustling and I'll open my home, but who knows that this is really going to work is now um, a viable company. And we were actually the third fastest growing company in America owned by a woman two years ago in Inc. Magazine. Yeah. So that's crazy. It is. So cool. It's crazy and it's awesome. And I just love how organic it is, like how you heard about it through your former cheerleading coach. And mm-hmm. um, it is such a relational business, both how it happens here in America and then even across the world, the relationships that we have with our partners. And 
I think there's so much storytelling involved. It's the story of how um, women and men are creating a pathway out of poverty for themselves through their businesses. And there's such power in storytelling and being able to have women into our homes and be able to tell that story while styling them and really Mm -hmm. gorgeous fun jewelry is been just, um, yeah, such a, such a great journey. And there's such, there's a way for, for anyone to be involved, whether it's from becoming an ambassador or opening your home as a trunk show hostess or just purchasing our product. So big things happen when women show up for one another. So I have a million follow-up questions. (laughs) Um, just like based on everything you just said, even. So you have 4,000 artisans. How many countries are you in? We're in around 13 different countries. Okay. But did you, so you adopted your daughter. What's your daughter's name? My son. Oh, your son. So I adopted Jack. Oh, Jack from Rwanda. Is that the country? Is that where you started? The, my original artisans that I was connected to were in Uganda, oh, and then okay. Rwanda followed Ethiopia, Guatemala, and like I said, just through relationships, really through people that I heard, oh, well, I know of some connections in this country, or I've started something in this country, and it was just um, began to just connect with people who were, you know, had these small-scale artisan businesses and now, you know, Noonday and these businesses, we've sort of scaled together over the last six years. Mm. So you guys are a for-profit company though, right? Yep. I love that you're a for-profit company, but you have kind of like, I don't want to say the nonprofit mentality, but like what you're doing is creating business and opportunities for other people. Yeah, that's right. So I think we all um, are created with Um, opportunity and power within us. And sometimes we just need to come alongside others to unlock that. And that's really what we're doing. And I love how I just got back from Haiti actually at 12 last night and, you know, just being there and seeing um, just a country that has had a reputation of devastation and earthquake and hurricanes and poverty and being able to uncover and really experience the beauty that Haiti has to offer. We partner with a group that makes these beautiful clay beads and then gets hand strung by another um, partner that works with vulnerable women. And, you know, we just got to really connect and see how we're more alike than we are different. We all have the same dreams for our children And we just get to be a part of creating that for one another through the ecosystem of Noonday. So is Haiti one of your newer countries that you've been working with? You know, we've been working with Haiti for a while, but ironically, it was the last country for me to visit because I went for the first time three months ago. I think it's one of those things when it's right in your backyard, you're like, Mm -hmm. that's easy. That's a weekend trip. I'll get to that. No problem. But then it never happened. And so we finally, I finally went with my husband about three months ago. And then we just took, um, our ambassadors. We had about 150 women qualify to get to go on a trip due to their sales. And so I just took 20 of those women to Haiti and it was, we just had a blast. Now I, I watched some of your Instagram stories on that. That looked like a lot of fun. It was so fun. So does your husband, is he kind of like with noonday now or does he do his own thing? He is still in real estate. Okay. So, but, but he, he went on the trip with you. He went on the trip three months ago. Okay. So he loves to travel because you know we met in that in that circumstance of moving to Latin America and working among uh, just a small village in Guatemala. And so he absolutely loves travel, loves you know working in issues of sustainability. Mm-hmm. And so whenever we can, he comes with me. So this. This summer, we're actually taking a group of ambassadors to Uganda, and he and I are leading that trip together, and our kids are coming too. Oh, so, cool. so we're going to be going to Africa in July. How many times have you been to Africa? I mean, you've been all over the continent, obviously. Yeah. But- um, you know, I, I actually, I've been going to Africa since I was 15 years old, oh, wow. so I couldn't tell you exactly how many times. Um, I usually go to Africa about once a year. This year it'll be two times. I just went three weeks ago. I was in Kenya and Ethiopia. Um, so this year's a heavy year going to Africa, but it's far. It's hard yeah. to get. <laughs> have your kids ever gone with you? Yes, I've taken, um, I have 
taken all three of them to Uganda with me a couple of years ago. You're taking all three of them this summer. We're going again. But yes. like you said, they're kind of at a sweeter spot in age where you're not running up and down the aisles with the toddler on the airplane. Yes, that's very different. They're at a different phase. It is. I mean, we're taking that Joe and I are the trip leaders for this trip. So I'm really going to need my kids <laughs> to like be awesome. <laughs> um, so that's probably like we've never taken them on a trip where we're the primary trip leaders. And then, yes, then we have to kind of like, you know, take care of our kids, too. So but our ambassadors are amazing and it's like having 20 moms on the mm-hmm. trip. So mm-hmm. I think I'm feeling pretty good about it, but it'll, I'll, I don't know. We'll have to do another podcast on the other side of this trip. <laughs> no. Right. So, okay. I, so I heard you and Jalia, I listened to a podcast on the influence network with Jamie. Oh yeah. And so I got to hear, I think it was Jalia, wasn't it? It was, yeah. That was a couple of years ago. And she was your first artisan, correct? Yep. Okay. Can you kind of, I mean, I know it's her story to share, but can you kind of share her story a little bit with everybody? Just kind of how you got connected and what she's doing now and how how well she's thriving? Yeah, totally. So one of my friends was living in Uganda and met Jaya and Daniel and really just saw so much leadership in them. But they were young and poor and artist. And being young and poor and artist in America is one thing, but being that in Uganda is quite another. So, you know, they're literally digging for food um, in their neighbor's gardens and um, didn't have a consistent place to live, weren't sure how to put food on the table when they began having children. And my friends said, hey, why don't you partner with them and begin selling some of their items? And at the time, there wasn't um, a lot of really cool fashion relevant fair trade brands in the world. I think when people thought of a social impact company, they immediately thought of Tom's Mm. and there definitely wasn't a direct sales company. So, you know, a company that does home-based shows um, that also was creating opportunity for artisans. And so I just partnered with Jolia and Daniel and began to sell some of their items. And we collaborated through email and design and try this and let's do that. And they eventually, um, I went to go visit them and met them for the first time when I was actually on the way to go get my son Jack from Rwanda. And even then it was just me and a handful of ambassadors. And I remember talking to Jalia that first time in Uganda. And I asked her, you know, what are your dreams? You know, what could this look like in the future if this really becomes a a viable business? And she said, well, my dream is to not die. Mm. So many people in my country die before the age of 50. And I, I just, I just want to live. And now Jalia and Daniel, they took their kids to Dubai on family vacation last year. And they have, two cars and an apartment and they're living a middle-class life and they oversee 400 artisans that they work with. 400. Wow. Yeah. And at Noonday Collection, we say that we're building a flourishing world, which is a world where women are empowered and people have jobs and children are cherished and flourishing is creating a space where humans can be human And part of humanness is having choice and getting to, you know, not just put food on the table, but also, wow, could I actually buy my husband a gift for his birthday, which Jolly had never been able to do. And so I think that is the satisfaction that comes by sticking with something and persevering through this business for the last six years. And now not just seeing people come into a place of being able to put food on the table, but coming into a place of of flourishing and being able to actually dream beyond not dying, but actually be able to dream about a future. And um, that's really what we see happening, you know, as we continue to come alongside artists and partners and 
they continue to scale their leadership. And then at Noonday Collection, we have a coaching program where women are able to become ambassadors and then enroll other ambassadors on their team. And they grow as leaders. And I think we really see as women own their leadership and own their potential and own their voice that they have. You know, I often say, you know, every person in the world is born with a voice. It's not that we're giving anybody a voice, you know, People are born born with a voice, but we're building stages so that people can actually stand up and sing, not just, you know, have a squeaky little whispering voice, but so people can really sing. And I think I see that across the country with our ambassadors who um, are like, you know what, I can be a good mom and I can do something outside the home and work. And I can be in yoga pants during the day, but I can also put on jewelry and go style my friends at night. And I think it's kind of owning um, tensions instead of trying to choose this either or life, but really embracing the tensions and living this and centered life um, that I've seen ambassadors and artisans come into a place of real human flourishing. So I feel like you've clearly always had kind of a global mindset. You said you went to Africa since you were 15 and then you met your husband with this food for the hungry international. Did you ever dream you'd be touching so many lives in so many different countries? I mean, I definitely didn't. Um, yeah, it felt, I think for most of my twenties, I felt like I was living this haphazard life. I struggled with depression in my 20s and definitely postpartum depression. It's funny, I just got back from the passport office to renew my daughter's passport for our trip this summer because we got her last passport when she was six and she's 11 now. And the the folder, her passport folder also had her very first passport in it, which mm. is when she is six months old. Oh, it's this adorable little picture. And there's no stamp in the passport, but I just remember being really depressed with my first child and being like, Oh my gosh, is this the end of my days of like a travel? I'm going to go get her a passport. I don't know <laughs> where we're going to go, but I'm going to get her a passport so I can at least be ready to go somewhere if we, you know, if we can. <laughs> and yeah, I think that, you know, there are times when I thought, gosh, what am I doing? I worked at a jewelry store. I ran a mentoring program. I got my master's in education. I did um, wedding China for a while and then I did real estate and then interior design and oftentimes I thought where is my life going and then under circumstances that I absolutely hated I mean to be financially um, living off of credit cards because the real estate market's falling apart and then to have made this decision to adopt with no money in the bank you know that I don't at the time I thought this is horrible horrible. I had tons of anxiety and um, just felt so cornered and so alone and scared. And yet that was the birth place of a business that's now changing lives. And I just always want to encourage people that God doesn't waste anything. And, you know, I think that, um, yeah, everything has a purpose and, um, is turning, it's a part of your story, you know. Is Jack your third child? Jack's my third. So Amelie's my first. She's 11. Holden is my second, and he is eight. And then Jack's my third. And so your first two children are biological? Yes. So what made you decide to adopt internationally or adopt in general? What was your, was your, what was going on there? You know, we um, had always gone into our marriage kind of talking about adoption. We have a bunch of adopt cousins that are adopted. And then after my second kid, he was fairly large mm. <laughs> and I had him at home and I was like, man, I just don't want to do that again. Wait, you had a home birth? I did. Oh, I had wow. a home birth. Yes. That's a whole nother topic in itself. Wow. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. And so I live in Austin in a total hippie neighborhood. I think do? most people in my neighborhood had home births. <laughs> um, so anyway, he was almost 11 pounds oh and it's like, oh my gosh, like Jaw to the floor. do Come that on. again. And then, you know, we just knew that there were plenty of kids in the world who needed homes. And, um, you know, we know that 
adoption is not the most sustainable solution in the whole world. Mm -hmm. Um, because oftentimes these kids do have parents, but poverty is this, the reason that a lot of these kids end up in orphanages. And so I think that's why getting to marry this idea of creating opportunity, um, in countries so that women don't find themselves being faced with the choice of perhaps taking their child to an orphanage, but then also knowing that, the reality is there are kids in really hard um, circumstances where um, there aren't parents to to parent them. And so, yeah, I think it was um, a fairly multidimensional um, decision. And, and then we just, yeah, God made it really clear that Rwanda was where we were going to, where our kid was. And um, yeah, no, Jack's pretty pretty proud because he feels like he's Aww. really the founder of Noonday Collection, Aww. you know? Well, I mean, he's a very big part of it. <laughs> he's a big part of it. So he loves that part of his story, and um, I love that for him. Now, tell me, when you say God made it clear that Rwanda was the place, um, you know, I always feel like I hear people say, like, God spoke to me, and, you know, like, you picture, like, God coming out of the clouds and, like, saying, Rwanda. Like, what, what? What did that look like? Yes. Yeah, totally. So we began, we went to an adoption conference because we thought, okay, there's fostering, um, there's domestic adoption. We thought we would foster. um, But then the more we got into that, at the time, a lot of people were fostering in Austin and it actually looked a lot more challenging. And then we also knew that we had, you know, we'd been to Africa several times and And well, we really wanted to adopt from Latin America because we both spoke Spanish, but there weren't any countries open at that time that weren't for pretty severe special needs. Um, Colombia being one of them, I think Peru. Um, but I think you had to go live in the country for like six months and it just was fairly complicated. And so we began to just Google and research, you know, different countries, uh, international adoption is actually dropped God, UNICEF just came out with a number. It's, it's, I mean, it's in the double digits of how um, international do- adoption has declined over the years because a lot of that is um, countries have shut down. Russia shut shut down due to political reasons, and then um, you know, some some of it's good. Like there's been corruption. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it's sad though. It's like they kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater and have made international adoption really hard. Mm -hmm. And so as we began to research where we could even adopt from legally, um, a few countries came up, Ethiopia, Uganda, Rwanda were the primary ones. And I had a friend at the time who was interviewing for a job with International Justice Mission in Rwanda as the director there, and he knew that we were on the beginning of a search to pray about where we were going to adopt from. And he, on that trip that was like super confidential, he emailed me and said, I just met this woman who helps Americans adopt and from Rwanda. And so... I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. Rwanda, it's a tiny little country. Of course, we know about it from the genocide, mm-hmm. but I had not really researched it as um, an adoption place. And so I began to Google Rwanda adoptions, which is what you do when you're beginning anything. Mm-hmm. You turn to Dr. Google. <laughs> and the first blog that came up, I began to read about this woman who was in the middle of adopting from Rwanda. And hey, if you want, if you want, if you need any help or suggestions, like you can reach out. So I reached out to her and we began to connect the dots and ends up, she was my roommate for my junior year of college. Whoa. And she actually was living in Austin and that was crazy. And then the woman that my friend had met in Rwanda, first of all, my friend decided to take the job. So he became the director of IJM in Rwanda And then Jennifer connected with me and was like, I would love to help facilitate your adoption. And that just was, yeah, that Mm -hmm. was like dingling, you know, that, I mean, God made it just really, really clear. And, um, yeah, now one of my best friends, her, um, Jenny Allen, her son Cooper is from the same orphanage as my son Jack and she lives in Austin. And so, uh, yeah, it's, God just made it 
made it really clear. And then through the process, um, Rwanda ended up shutting down because they did start getting, um, the, the government was facilitating all of the adoptions. So you didn't have to use an agency. And during that process, Rwanda was getting just, they couldn't uh, keep up. That makes it sound like thousands of kids. I think it was 250 applications, but it was Mm -hmm. a tiny office and they weren't really set up. And so they just arbitrarily kind of in the middle of the whole thing said, um, if you don't get your paperwork to Rwanda in the next 24 hours, we're like, you can't, we're not going to, we're shutting down adoption. And we were almost at the very tail end of our paperwork trail. We needed like two more signatures, one from the state department in DC, and then another from some sort of, um, you know, uh, I don't know, a stamp here in Austin. And so literally we got a call from Jennifer early one morning. Um, that was like, Hey, you need to act now if you want, you know, if if you're going to make this happen. And now had you already met Jack at this point? No. And you're, you don't get matched with a child until your paperwork's already turned in. Okay. And so, um, we turn, so I, my husband was literally like, okay, we're going to do this. Even though it felt really hopeless, um, to think about how we could get our paperwork to Rwanda within 24 hours. But I ran to, to the Austin down to the, you know, to the Capitol here to get the paperwork signed and then literally left for DC within a couple of hours. Like we you might- hopped on a flight, like the next flight you could get? Yes. <laughs> Like I was down at the Capitol getting whatever stamped. And then my husband was like trying to find me a flight to DC. So I hopped on a flight to DC and actually through some friends that I'd met through food for the hungry that were still living there, um, picked me up from the airport. Cause I just, I mean, now I, you know, it's funny. I just went to Haiti with all of these women. Some of them had their passport for the very first time. And they're like, Jessica, you're fearless. Like we just see you here and you just travel all the time. And this is no big deal. And I'm like, I remember flying to DC and being like, Oh my gosh, like, am I going to spend the night in a hotel by myself and a taxi alone? <laughs> like, I just remember that wasn't in my life at all. And even going to DC by myself and navigating the subway and getting to the right state department office, like felt really uncomfortable to me. And I just remember God really taking care of me even there because some of my friends that I hadn't connected with in years, but I remember they live in DC and I was like, I'm coming to DC. They're like, we live right by the airport. We'll pick you up. We'll take you straight to the state department, you know, the next day. And it was crazy. And so, um, got the right signatures and then went to the Rwandan embassy, which is technically the Rwandan soil. And so met up with a bunch of crazy parents too. They were all like Mm -hmm. had hopped on a plane that day as well and put our paperwork in the queue and got our paperwork appropriately signed and off to Rwanda. And then about six months after that, God had just, you know, first we had said like, we want a healthy child under the age of 12 months, Mm -hmm. you know, and God just really began to, you know, open our hearts to just, you know, Hey, whatever child from that orphanage needs a home, we, we want to be a home for, for that child. And so we ended up changing our paperwork. You had to go through another process through the U S government to change your paperwork, to say, we'll take any child, you know, any age, et cetera. Well, within 24 hours of that paperwork getting changed into Rwanda, Rwanda completely shut down adoption for infants under the age of of 12 months. So it was pretty crazy. Like, how God really orchestrated Jack's story in particular. And yeah, so he really wouldn't be here if we had not kind of had our ears open and, um, you know, made some changes and adjusted to God's plan. (laughs) Now, how old was Jack when he came home to you? He was almost three. Okay. Um, And did he have any like physical or mental disabilities that were, you know, were in the boxes that you didn't check? No, uh-uh, okay. he didn't. Gosh, that's so hard. And I heard, um, 
I forget who it was on Jamie's podcast, but um, there's a woman you probably know. Um, she, uh, I think, two of her children have Down syndrome, and oh, yes, Macy, uh, Macy makes my day. Yes, her Instagram. Yes, that, that was one of my favorite episodes, and I just thought, I it just the, hearing Jamie and what's Macy's mom's name? Oh my gosh! You know? Well, anyway, she, I know her, and, and I'm embarrassed. I even. Oh, no. I, I even wrote an endorsement inside of her book and like, you know, when you know someone by their Instagram, I know, I know. Well, the lucky few, the lucky few is the name of the book. Yes. And I want to read that book, but just hearing, you know, two people, Heather Heather Avis, I just, sorry, Heather, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Heather is the mom. Heather, I hope you're, you're listening. Um, but anyway, yeah, just hearing, you know, two people that have been through the adoption process talk about that. And, and I think it was Jamie that was like, I don't even want, I would, I would be embarrassed to, for someone to see how I filled out the paperwork because it's so personal, like the things that you're, you're checking off and whatnot. And, and to hear Heather talk about that, how she had a change of heart with all that as well. It's just, it's really, it was really emotional to hear her talk about that. Yeah. You know, I think you start off with one plan and then I think, you know, you can become really open over the years as you, as your heart opens to God. Yeah. Um, are you no more adopting, no more babies? Are you, you have three kids. Is this where you're at right now? It is, you know, we had really, um, kind of thought about it a couple of years ago. Um, and I went to visit one of my friends who lives in China who works with kids who, um, have heart, um, like one heart ventricle Mm. and can get it fixed through surgery. And I went sort of open and praying about a fourth and we always wanted four, but frankly, noonday is our fourth child. Mm -hmm. And I felt really confirmed after going on that trip and, you know, just realizing really this business requires as much energy as raising a child. Uh Uh-huh. And I felt a lot of peace after that. And we're, we are open to, um, growing our family. You know, if, you know, if my kids, you know, they go to a school with a bunch of different, different children from different backgrounds. And, you know, we want our home to be open door. We just oh, moved our trampoline that. from the backyard to the front yard no and way. So becoming the magnet and, um, we're putting a pool in and I just, I think our, our home, you know, we definitely want our home to be a place where all children are welcome. Now you said you're, so what kind of, do they go to a public school? What kind of school do they go to? They, yes, they go to a public charter, um, Montessori school. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's a really innovative school. It's like the first of its kind in the country. Cause usually Montessori schools are usually like for, you know, they're very expensive, but this is for, um, you know, kids from all different backgrounds. About 50% of the kids are on free or reduced lunch. And, um, yeah, it's interesting. I'm not like this sold out Montessori, you know, mom. I'm definitely like, oh my gosh, are my kids learning how to read? (laughs) But, um, but they're learning so many things that you don't normally learn in school. Uh And that's been really cool for me to see. Yeah, our kids, well, my kids are really young, but my oldest is in pre-K and we're, he goes to a school, it's kind of like a Montessori, it's a hybrid between like a traditional and Montessori. So it's not full on Montessori, but it's a little bit in that direction and also a public charter school. So it's probably a little bit similar to, I mean, we are right in the city, but we really like it. And I, and I like that, that it is still pretty diverse I hope that doesn't change, but you never know. Yeah, I know. That's what's hard here is that it's a lottery to yes. get into the school. Same. Um, but the lottery, it's like the more privileged kind of families hear about the school, mm-hmm. then the lottery will get, you know, inundated with with those kids. But they're trying to do a really good job of marketing to the local, um, like, apartments in the area and homes so that there's at least um, an even amount of kids that get into the lottery. I was just talking to another guest about that because she lives here in the city and she's kind of in the same boat as me wants to do that. And I, I was telling her, I was like, I kind of want to just like go knock on doors around my ha- like around my neighborhood and be like, did you know you can apply to get into this school? Because we want to keep it that way, you know? Totally. Totally. All right, guys, before I continue my conversation with Jessica, I want to thank the Ursa Family Wife for supporting this episode of the podcast. 
You guys know I love the Y. I basically live there throughout the week and my whole family goes on Saturdays. And now is an amazing time to join, don't you think? So between May 15th and May 31st, the Downtown Y, Indie Bike Hub, and the Anthonian have a no join fee. On top of that, when you join, if you go in and tell them that Lindsay Hine, me, that's me, sent you, you'll get a free $25 program credit. And that can go towards the MX4 class that I talked about in our last episode, swimming lessons, adult and youth sports, free $25 program credit. The offer is only valid May 15th to May 31st. So make sure you check it out. And if you're already a member, check out the 15 days of family fun and fitness going on at the three Downtown Ys, May 15th through the 28th. For the next two weeks, the Downtown Y will have dozens of fun, free activities, events, and classes for you and your family. Activities like free MX4 demos, reptile show, cookout, free swim clinic, group exercise, glow parties, and so much more. I know my kids are going to love some of that. Pick up a punch card, May 15th. Check into any of the Downtown Ys every day of the 15 days, and you'll be entered for a chance to win a free month of membership. Take a look at the website, ndymca.org slash cityway or Facebook page for the list of events. And you want to know one of the other fun activities going on with the 15 days of family fun and fitness? A live all have another podcast with me. So I'm going to mention this at the end of the show as well, but I will be hosting a mini live show downtown at the Ursa Family Y, May 26th at 6.30 p.m. So anybody who is local or close to the Indianapolis area, mark it on your calendar, come on down, check it out, and watch a live recording of this podcast. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Jessica. She's so much fun, right? So I wanted to ask you, is fashion your thing? I mean, or did you just kind of get into it once noonday became a thing? You know, I... No. I mean, growing up, you would definitely not think fashion was my thing. I mean, even in high school, my mom would go shopping for my prom dresses and bring them home and I would pick one out because I hated shopping. Um, I don't know. I think eventually you just follow in your mother's footsteps. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, definitely jewelry has always been a thing. Like I remember just as a little girl, my Grandma would come back from world travels and I would like go through her jewelry box or I remember just growing up and going, um, my mom's always really appreciated artisan work, like especially in the Southwest when we'd go to New Mexico. And so I think I grew up accessory, you know, loving accessories and I do love, even as an interior designer, like really the touches like how you bring a home to life are through the those final accessories that you put into a home and I love that that's what accessories do for women it's like a way to express your individual individuality and um, I think we wear wedding rings and we keep little tokens of you know little necklaces from our grandmas because they carry a story and so I think there is something in particular in particular that's special about accessories, but fashion has definitely been um, something I've grown into. Now, earlier you mentioned, make sure I'm saying this right, Noonday into how many years ago was the third fastest company in America uh, run by a woman? Is that what you said? Yeah, two years ago. Uh-huh. Two years ago. Um, so you, I mean, are you the CEO? Is that what you call yourself? Yes. Okay. So what, what does your day to day look like running this business? You know, it is, um, I get asked (laughs) that question (laughs) every day is so different. Yeah. So I am very involved in the creative part of the business. So product marketing messaging, and then as well as the sales part of the business. So working with our ambassadors, and then overall strategy and where the business is going and how we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on where we are in the product life cycle. So we have a really um, clear production calendar now and the design team has clear points on the calendar when they're presenting me with overall design stories for the next season and um, 
and then sample reviews, reviewing the samples that artisans are making. And then there's actually the purchasing and bringing the whole collection together. And then on the creative and marketing side, we have our lookbook that we put out that's also very involved. Um, and so I do a lot of sort of the, you know, final touches and decision making and input around, around that. And then I do travel internationally. I take our ambassadors on trips to go meet the artisans. And then I do storytelling. I mean, I love, um, you know, you saw my Instagram stories from Africa. Like I love just getting to tell these stories and connect women here to the stories that are happening right, right now around the world. And just seeing that the world's actually a small place and we all have a part to play. And I love all of that as well. And then speaking and traveling domestically as well. How many employees do you have, you know, that like aren't ambassadors or artisans, employees that are kind of working the operations side of things? We have, I think around 55 right now. Really? Yep. Wow. I did not know that that was, I mean, I know that that's not like an astronomical number, but just, I had no idea it was that big. Yeah. Yeah. And is it, is, is that uh, mostly focused in Austin? Yep. It's in Austin. That all at our home office here in Austin. That is so cool. It is. It's been crazy. It's been crazy. So I wanted to ask you, have you seen the documentary Poverty Inc.? You know, it's interesting that you asked that because I haven't seen it, but my business partner has. And he was just telling me when we were in Haiti, one of the organizations that makes some of the these terracotta beads mm-hmm. that our partner is purchasing from, from them to string up our necklaces, um, they were actually featured on Poverty Inc. So oh, wow. it's called um, Papillon. Her name's Shelly. Um, the Apparent Project is the American name of it. She's one of the stories on, on there. Um, and so, but I haven't seen it yet. So I'm going to write that down right now. Well, Cause it's one of those things that it's like, Jessica, you all people need to have seen that. Right. And I'm asking you that, but I haven't seen it. And I keep meaning to watch it like over and over again. I've heard of this documentary and I just think it's, I mean, and just for everybody listening, I think this is me saying this and I haven't seen it, but I think what they kind of talk about is how there's a lot of nonprofits and charities where money's just not distributed um, in a way that is empowering to the people in these communities. And basically like we can send, send money for food and things like that. But what these communities need is like empowerment so they can run their own businesses and make money for their families, which is essentially exactly what you are doing at noonday. Right. Which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I think that poverty is complicated Mm -hmm. and, you know, business isn't the only solution. I mean, there, we can't solve everything through business, but certainly it's been an overlooked solution Mm -hmm. um, in working with countries. And it's a lot of what we're doing is we're working in countries that um, aren't really part of, you know, the general market access. You know, when you think of um, some of these other countries that, um, are, you know, where bigger companies are doing commerce fairly easily in many countries around the world. And um, but we're working in countries that, you know, have some perhaps extra obstacles and we're willing to um, kind of climb over those obstacles in order to create um, solutions through trade and through business. What is I mean, this is kind of, I don't know if you can pull something out of your head on the spot here, but what is one of the coolest uh, stories of, you know, like empowerment? I I mean, Jolia, obviously that's an amazing story, but do you have any other stories like that that you could share? Well, yeah, I mean, even just getting back from Haiti, one of the artisans there, her name's Weedlin, and she delivered her first baby through... um, at a maternity center that at the time was placing children up for adoption and she had no resources and just couldn't imagine being able to keep her child and, um, kind of had some parental obstacles as well to keeping her child. And so ended up placing her child up for adoption and her child is now here in America thriving. And eventually that maternity center, realized, you know what, adoption isn't a long-term solution because these women are alive. They just don't have the economic 
you know, access to be able to keep their children. So they began a jewelry making um, section of their maternity ministry. And that um, is currently, you know, the now it's a business that we partner with. And so Weedlin had two other children that she was able to parent and keep because she had a job. Mm-hmm. And so I think that ultimately, you know, and we actually have a podcast for ambassadors that's public, but now oh, really? people know, cause I just told you, um, I'm the ambassador audience is the primary audience that we're speaking with, but you know, it's on iTunes. It's called you matter. And oh, we've cool. shared yeah. her story on you matter as well as the mom here in America also shared a letter that she wrote to Weedland, just thanking her and talking about the complexity of, of, of the, these stories, you know? And so, you know, I don't like to say carte blanche, like business is the way. And, you know, but I do think we can really look at the organizations we're choosing to support and ensuring there is a sustainable outlook um, to how we're approaching the complexities um, that a lot of these country, countries are dealing with. Man, I can't imagine as a mother having to put my first child up for adoption and then having two more children and just that like almost I can imagine an empty feeling in your heart, like not being able to have your first child with you, you know? Yeah, it's hard. That's hard. And I mean, you know, this child is adopted by an American family who's taking great care of him and that's their family now, but it's, it's just, gosh, it's just heart heart wrenching to think about, but that's incredible. That's amazing. That is, thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we should get to some fun questions. Um, now how can people get involved with new day before we move on? We would love for people to host a trunk show. And so to host a trunk show, if you don't know of an ambassador, you can go on our website and you can click under host. And you can fill out just a really easy, you know, name, phone number, and we will connect you with a really great ambassador near you. If you go on there and you're and you hear, oh my gosh, there is no ambassador near me. Well, you should think about becoming an ambassador. And we are looking for more ambassadors. And these are women who you earn an income, you become part of a community of like-minded women who really want to empower others. You get to come on trips, you get to come to Austin for a sales conference. And you get to become a businesswoman. And so we're looking for that. And then as well as you can just go straight to our website and purchase as well. Now, when you do that, I was wondering about this because I've kind of browsed around a little bit. And then I was like, well, if I ever buy anything, I'll, I'll go through um, my high middle school hey. cheerleading coach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but if you just purchase through their website, does that just um, hook you up with an ambassador to purchase through? What is, how does that work? If you purchase through the website, it's just e-com. It'll oh, just okay. come to you, you know, e-com. But, of course, we'd love for you to purchase through an ambassador because we're really trying to create, you know, opportunity here for women as well. I love that, too. Yeah, you're not just creating opportunity for women in other countries. You're also doing that here. So that's amazing. Um, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and follow Jessica on social media. What's your – so you can see her fun travel stories. What is your – um, My middle. Instagram is Jessica Honiger, and that's two G's, egg in the middle, <laughs> and um, Noonday Collection as well. I pop on there and do stories over there, and um, yeah, so we just, we are looking to grow, and we have 1,700 ambassadors now, but we'd love to finish this year with 2,500, oh, so wow. we okay. join our team. I'm going to look and see who is the ambassador in my area. I'm sure there's a couple in, in the Indianapolis area. Yep, there are. There are. So, okay. Host a trunk show and tell me how it goes, Lindsay. What'd you say? I said host, host a, trunk a trunk show, show and then tell me how it goes. I know. It's so tough because I'm always like, I, you know, you get invited to jewelry parties and makeup parties and all this stuff. And I'm like, I have to, if I do something like that, I have to make it enticing enough so that like people really want to come. So I need to provide really, really good drinks or food Uh or, you know, and just swing, um, put it as like a way to get out of the house and a way to get away from your kids for a little bit. (laughs) Right. Totally. And also empower women around the world. Let's be honest. 
Yeah, I think that that is what makes Noonday so unique. Yeah. Is, um, it's like a, a world curated boutique, uh-huh. you know, right in, the, in a suburb or a city near you. And you get to really, everything's handmade and made with so much love and dignity. And so there's a lot of power in that. Well, if I host one, I will definitely be, I'll Instagram story it up and um, for sure let you know how it goes. Awesome. So (laughs) tell me what's one thing, I mean, you've already done some, how how old are you, Jessica? Such a rude question. I'm 40. 40. Exciting. Did you enter 40 excited or were you like, oh no, I'm 40? You know, a little bit of both. I think the wisdom part of me is excited. And then the part that has like my foot in the fashion world is like, uh. (laughs) Yeah. So you've done so much already, but what's one thing professionally or personally that you're like, I really want to do that before, say, 50? Right. Well, um, professionally, I've always wanted to write a book, so I'm doing that, Mm -hmm. and it'll come out in about a year. So I feel like I'm conquering one of my professional professional dreams. And personally, I would love to take our kids and travel around the world for a few months and work with our partners. So that's kind of on my bucket list. Very cool. So if you're 40, you founded Noonday when you were 34? Yep. This is so exciting to me because I'm 33 and I'm like, oh my gosh, what You have a new world ahead. Yes. Yes. Like you created this at 34 and like look what all has happened in these six years. Totally. Your life can look dramatically different. It's it's pretty wild. That's incredible. Um, If you had... You know, you're kind of already sending a big message to the world with your business, but if you had one message to send to the world, what would it be? I think it would be to get up and go and don't let fear or perfectionism hold you back and quit, you know, waiting for the perfect time or the perfect adequacies or the perfect experience because that doesn't exist. And, you know, go and do those things that you're dreaming about. So good. I was, you know, and that message so clearly speaks to, you know, when you were going through the adoption and you basically had to like move that second, that hour and get on the plane. Like you could have easily just been like, okay, it's not going to work out. Yeah, absolutely. But you get up, you got up and you went. Got up and I went, you know, we, we don't know our outcomes and we can't, you know, control our outcomes, but we can influence them, you know, so we might as well live a life of faith and not a life of fear. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. We, I need that tattooed on my body somewhere where I can see it every day. Yes, <laughs> totally. If you could have coffee or cocktail with anybody, who would it be? Oh my goodness. I would have coffee or cocktails with, uh Oh, this one's catching me off guard. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, that's okay. Um, Gosh, you know, it's funny because I feel like I get to, I just, I work with so many of our artisan partners that make me so proud. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like their wealth of experience and um, just their own histories of overcoming, you know, a lot of suffering and poverty. Um, So I think maybe about the people that are not like famous or Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't recall, I can't tell you their names right now, but I think I love getting to have coffee with those women who are working in their local context in these countries and raising up um, female leaders. So whoever those women are, those are the ones that I just, I mean, I just love sitting with them and connecting with them. I like that answer. I always tell people, people usually say it's usually a dead grandma or grandpa. (laughs) That's usually the answer to that question. (laughs) Um, Okay, I just have three more quick questions and I'll let you get going. What's the best, most recent book you've read? So I'm reading a book on the plane right now and it just came out and it's called At Home in the World by Tish Oxender. And she actually lives here in Austin. She's a friend and she did just take her family around the world. And oh, yes. and so I'm loving it because it I've really always had this, you know, desire and dream, but she's really making me, you know, see, okay, this could be a reality. So I might I told my husband last night from the airport, I was like, babe, I need you to read this book. Like <laughs> Is he for it? Is he all about it too? 
He is. He's definitely a little bit more of a type A personality than me. So I think just some of the grittiness of travel and kind of these things that are totally out of your control are a little more challenging. Um, but no, he's he's totally on board. Well, she can be like your travel agent person that kind of gives you a little ideas of what to do and how to do it. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> Um, so when you guys do do that though, if you do it, will you take your kids, um, out of school for a semester? Will you try to jam it all into a summer or what? I think we would do like a semester and a summer and then just kind of put, I don't know, math curriculum on a Kindle Mm -hmm. and have them read books and then do science and world history as we're traveling. Yeah. I mean, you're traveling the world. I think that they're learning enough, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, and I I heard um, Tish, and I actually downloaded her podcast as well, and have has listened to have listened to a few of her episodes. Oh, cool! Yeah, and I after it's funny because after I listened to that episode of her with Jamie, I like I had listened to another podcast about some guy who like retired at thirty and they live on like this very minimal income. And anyway, I I came home to my husband and I was like, "What are we doing with our lives? Like, we have to go do something." <laughs> And he's like, Lindsay, our kids are like four, two, and six months. We are not traveling the world right now. (laughs) No, 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 no. You got time. You got time to put that on your bucket list. Right. What is one of your favorite nonprofits to support? I I I mentioned them earlier, International Justice Mission. Mm -hmm. They exist to disrupt the modern-day slave trade and then also reform justice systems. And it's really, really hard work, and it's – invisible work and Joe and I are huge supporters and fans of IJM. So you should definitely go check them out if you haven't heard about them. Okay. Yes. I definitely know who they are. And I kind of got into that, um, you know, following them along probably five or six years ago. And then I kind of let it fall to my wayside a little bit. So I'm going to, I'm going to look into that some more. Awesome. What are you, who, and this is my last question and then we can get going. Do you have any favorite accounts to follow on social media? Um, yes, it's, she's a little bit, I hope people can, if you can handle (laughs) F-bombs, um, (laughs) Jen Gotch, she's the founder of Bando and she's really hilarious. I just her Insta stories. I've never heard of her. Okay. Yeah. She's just really transparent and hilarious. I love her. Anybody else? Um, I love Eva Chen, who's the founder of, or she's not the founder of Instagram, but she works for Instagram and I like following her too, because she'll always know like the latest little Instagram tricks, you know, like right when they come out with new things. And she also does really cool and interesting stories, but is super authentic. Like she lives in New York with this high fashion life, but is super relatable. Okay. Eva Chen. If Uh she's a big wig at Instagram, I'll be able to find her, right? Yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah, you'll find her. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know you were um, hustling to get home and lying, of course, to get a passport for your daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for having me on. It was fun to share. Um, I hadn't shared Jack's story in a long time, so that was fun. Oh, good. Well, I will keep you updated on when the episode comes out and enjoy, enjoy being home. I know you just got back from Haiti, so enjoy your house for a little while. Thanks, Lindsay. I appreciate it. Have a good rest of your day. Okay. Bye, Jessica. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. Thanks, Jessica, for coming on and sharing your story. I want to thank Fast Zach for supporting this episode of the podcast as well. Fast Zach is a distance-based mobile app for runners, bikers, walkers, and travelers. It allows you to generate routes in seconds based on your selected distance, landmarks, geographic features, and points of interest. Amanda Brooks, the founder of Fast Sack, was on this episode was on this podcast episode 43. And I just love talking to women who have a dream and go for it. And that's what Amanda did. You guys can go to fastsack.com or just search Fast Sack in your app store on your phone. You can get your first month free. Check it out, see if you love it. And thank you, Amanda, for supporting the podcast. You guys let me know what you think about Fast Sack. All right, so I mentioned in the intro and then I mentioned in the mid-roll spot. So on Friday, May 26th at 6.30 p.m. downtown at the Ursay Family Y, I'm doing a little mini live show. So it's not going to be like my big event, my big live show that's in September. 
but it's like a little teaser and I'm going to do a, a live podcast interview and then also open up the floor to questions for anybody who comes and has questions for me. So that's going to be a lot of fun right downtown. I'll have all the information in the show notes. So if you're local to Indy or somewhere nearby, you should come to the show. It's going to be probably about an hour, 630 to 730. It's, it's going to be a little teaser for the big live show, which is Saturday, September 30th. So make sure you guys are saving the date for that. I'm going to get the tickets for that up very, very soon. Um, this one that I'm talking about on May 26th, though, is completely free and totally casual. You guys can follow me on Instagram, lindsayhine626. You can follow me on Twitter, at lindsayhine. And you can find me on Facebook, I'll Have Another Podcast, with Lindsay Hine. You can find all the information that I talked about with Jessica and all the sponsor information for this podcast in the show notes, lindsayhine.com. As I would love it if you are enjoying the show, if you would share it with anybody who you think might be interested on your social media, send them an email, whatever. Grab their phone and their podcast app and download it for them. Because sometimes people say, what's a podcast? So if you know someone that you think would like it, show them how to do it. Show them what's up. Thank you guys so much for listening and have a wonderful weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.